for a single soul. Reaching a further and stepping in closer. Welcome to Living Life. Hey, remember when you were young and your mom wanted to do something special for, you know, for you, for the family, and she, let's say she, she made some dessert or cookies for you, and then she, but she said, don't eat those cookies uh, or dessert before dinner because it will spoil your dinner. How did you react to that? Did it make you want to actually get, sneak one of those cookies more? Or did you, you know, just listen to your mother and go to your room and wait until dinner? Well, I know if you're like me, I was, I was thinking about, I want to get just one because they smell so good. You know, this is kind of the way uh, the, the law works. Once, you know, boundaries are placed and put down and a rule is put into place, it almost makes you want to violate it. It almost makes you want to trans, transgress it. It's in a way, uh, it's, it's an invitation to sin once you hear that this rule or this law is in place. And, and like when mom said, you know, uh, don't eat it, it's like, ah, I just want to get one. You know, you're looking for the opportunity to do that. Well, when we look at the passage, the passage is going to kind of bring to light some of this uh, about our, uh, our nature uh, to desire that which is forbidden to us. Uh, so let's uh, look at the passage and see what it says. Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 25. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, Sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death, so that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, 
This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Welcome back to Living Life. So when we looked, talked about this passage, I gave you the example of when uh, your mom makes some dessert or some cookies or something good and you there's a desire in you to to go to disobey what she says and to get the cookie anyway. And that same desire is in all, in all of us. And actually the Bible says that the law stimulates that desire. So when we think about the law, if the law does all of that, the inclination to, is to say, well, is the law good? I mean, if the law is doing that or, you know, or rules when you lay down boundaries, is it good? And so uh, Paul answers the question that the law is holy, the law is good. Uh, the problem is not with the law. The, the problem is with us uh, in terms of our desire uh, to disobey uh, the bounty, to disobey the laws. So dying to the law, uh, it doesn't make the law bad because Paul is saying that we have to die to the law. Uh, Paul is just talking about giving us a freedom so we can actually serve and actually live out and walk in the way that God always intended for us to walk. So, when, as, so we're looking at the passage as well. Uh, it talks about the law actually uh, seized upon the opportunity to deceive me. Paul said, before I knew uh, you know, about sin, I was alive. But now that I know, uh, you know my behavior, now you know, the law says that you know, a certain conduct is sin, I died because before I was doing that behavior, but I had no knowledge that that was sin. He actually uses the example in Scripture of covetedness, uh, where he says, before I knew that covet, you know, coveting was a sin, you know, I would eagerly desire maybe my coveting basically is the eagerly desiring uh, something that is not yours. For example, uh, if your neighbor gets a nice car and you, and you can cover that car, you could eagerly desire that car and be, you know, very jealous over the fact that, that the neighbor has that car. But before you know that's a sin, that's a behavior that you're engaging in. And now that you know it's a sin, then there's consequences to it. So it's almost like sin deceives me, and now the law comes into play and gives power to uh, that sin. Without, apart from the law, sin has no power. Uh, and apart from my knowledge of that behavior as sin, then I'm alive. And that's what Paul talks about in this uh, particular section of uh, Romans 7. Uh, but he dies when he realizes uh, that that behavior is considered uh, sinful. Uh, so he, in, uh, not only in, in uh, the beginning of 7, but he also talks about uh, the law, the law is an, also reveals sin. The point of the Lord is, is to make us conscious of sin uh, and to reveal uh, it to us. 
And the question is, once it's revealed to us, then what can we do about it once it's revealed? Uh, the law has no power to do anything but to reveal sin and to point us to the remedy for sin. So the law is, points us to the, re the remedy for sin. Uh, the problem is, is uh, the law also uh, wars against our conscience, uh, wars against our mind. So Paul was struggling. Um, some commentators believe that he was struggling with sin. Others believe that the, uh, the, the, what he was struggling with was actually before uh, but he just, uh, but he's actually re just referring it to it in the passage. One thing we do know that there is this battle that's going on uh, in Paul's life between the two selves, uh, where he's referring to his old self and his his new self. And he says, you know, what I want to do, I you know, and when I want to do good, I can't. I mean, sin is right there with me, and this battle is taking place. And he says against the law of his mind. Well, why is it important against the law of his mind? Because the battle in our in our lives takes place in the mind. That's where it starts in the mind, and then it works its way to the heart. So it's important that we're able to to counteract. Uh, that battle that is taking place in our lives. And Paul is saying, you know, this body of death, uh, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Because, you know, this, this warfare in my mind is playing out back and forth, back and forth. So what we're really seeing here is Paul is talking about trying to win this battle uh, in his own strength. We try to win this battle of sin in our own strength and the guilt that comes along with it. We try to win it in our own strength. We try to win, uh, win the battle over, over the law and understanding uh, the law as it comes against us because the law only, only points out our sin. It has no answer for how to undo it. It has no answer for remedy of it. So, but we do see a shift as Paul is talking. Uh, he's talking about the spiritual law in which he was not restrained. And when we get to verse 20 to 23, and he's talking about the two cells, we begin to see uh, a, a shift uh, which makes its way into verse 24. In verse 24, when he says, Oh, wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Who will, who will rescue me from this body of death? Before that, Paul wasn't saying who. He was saying I, 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 I. Now he's saying who. Now he's looking outside of himself, outside of his own efforts, uh, to someone else. Who is the someone else that will rescue him from the, this body of death he talks about? Um, and then we get the answer in verse 25. Verse 25 is a verse that we should all remember because this verse is a verse of victory for all of us. He says in verse 25, who, when he asked the question, who will rescue me from this body of death? He then says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he's recognizing the fact outside of himself because he can't do this in his own effort that it's Jesus Christ who's going to rescue him from this body of death. In the same way, Jesus Christ will rescue us in our struggle against sin from this body of death. Because remember, we died to the law and now we live to him. Are you struggling with sin? 
Is there something in your life that you're just not able to get over it? And it seems like your old self is rising up again just when you thought that you were taking steps towards Christ. Maybe, like Paul, it's you trying to do this in your own effort. But maybe God's saying to you, don't do it in your own effort, but let me take control and be the remedy for your sin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time, this moment. We thank you for those who are listening. We pray that this word will have a, uh, a therapeutic effect upon their lives, Father, uh, where they will shift from doing it and trying to resolve this in their own effort and then give it over to you, surrender it all to you, Father, uh, so you can take it, Father, mold them, shape them, make them according to your will, Father, uh, and undo uh, what is plaguing them in their lives, Father. I pray that they will trust you uh, for this in every way and not trust in their own selves. I pray all this in Jesus' precious, wonderful name. Amen. Sing in the